This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and Sam Carroll as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And for the last time this season, we preview a game, of course, Sunday's last game of the season at home to Bournemouth, four o'clock at Goodison. And of course, a huge game for Bournemouth, but obviously, nevertheless, still an important game for the Blues as they look to finish the season on a high and as high as possible. Uh, and that's where we'll start, Preno. Um, how important is it that we finish this season um, with a victory? Because, of course, as we now know for certain, next season will begin on September the 12th, so a seven-week turnaround. But for momentum's, momentum purposes and for everybody to go away for the next four or five weeks until pre-season kicks in, um, with a sense of optimism that for the, all the difficulties of, of this season, next season will be better. Yeah, it's a, it's a really strange one, isn't it? Because it's... It's been such a strange you know, end to this season. Uh, but yeah, you want a victory because you want to go into the summer upbeat. You want a sense of confidence. And just contrast how we were feeling after that defeat at Wolves and that defeat, or that you know, draw at home to Aston Villa. And there was like a flatness. There was a, oh God, here we go again. And then suddenly, you know, the sense of optimism that was suddenly felt after that performance, that result at Sheffield United, it only takes one result to do that. And so if Everton can, you know, sort of finish off with a, with a home victory, it does give you that little bit of a sense of optimism taking it into the summer. You think of, you know, sort of what may be uh, for the season ahead. It's a strange one though, because there's no fans there. Um, so, mm. you know, normally... You expect that end of season farewell and you want to be entertained on the last day of the season. I remember all too well, was it the last time we had a home game for the final day of the season? Uh, the Southampton one, you know, the Sam Allardyce one a couple of years ago. wasn't the last game, was it? It was the final home game. Yes, and, yeah. Uh, it, it was so flat. It was so horrible. It was just a dreadful you know, feeling and atmosphere. You don't want to end the season like that. You want to end it with a spring in your step. And, you know, Bournemouth have got something to play for. So that gives an edge to the game. Uh, hopefully it'll put an edge on Everton's game and it should be open. Bournemouth will come and they need a win, a point's no good to them. So mm. they'll come and have a go at Everton. So, you know, equally we should be able to find holes to have a go back. So, yeah, I'm just hoping for a, a positive performance and a, a positive result that will make you feel a little bit happier going into the summer, definitely. And Adam, of course, you know, um, for, for all our um, well-documented troubles away from home, of course, um, at Goodison, we remain very, very strong. Uh, haven't tasted defeat uh, in the league there, of course, since November. Um, three, the three league defeats only at Goodison. So how important is it on that front to cement that um, excellent form at Goodison uh, with, with, a, with a win on the final day? I think it's massive, isn't it? I think that's probably the highlights of the season uh, so, so far, really, that uh, our for home form has been so good. And I think it may be highlighted even more with how you know poor and dreary the performance was against Aston Villa. Uh, we're coming up against a, a side in similar sort of troubles uh, in, in Bournemouth this weekend. You know they're at the bottom end of the table for the reason for a reason. They've got something to fight for, as Preno says. You know they need they need a win to save themselves. Maybe even a win won't be enough to save themselves. They, mm. they are dependent on other other results, of course. Uh, but you know they're going to be going gung ho for for the victory. But as Preno says that should leave them open at the back and there should be gaps for Everton to be able to exploit 
and that didn't really happen against Aston Villa. Uh, we sat back a little bit too much and we let them control the game a little bit more. And that will have been, you know, really disappointing for Ancelotti because, as you say, our home form under him has been uh, fantastic on the whole. So, you know, if if we can finish finish on a similar high, uh, get a win, and be able to take that home form uh, into next season, then we should be standing ourselves uh, in good stead for the next campaign. Mm. I think morally as well that we have to we you know we're obliged to give a good performance uh, you know just for the other teams that are involved in the relegation fight. I can remember too many times in the past Everton teams limping into games like this. I'm thinking of the game at Sunderland uh, where Newcastle you know had an upper, you know chance of going down and we were just abysmal. We just rolled over and somehow allowed that Sam Allardyce um, record of never taking a team out of the Premier League to survive. And look how that bit us on the bum here when he came back and managed <laughs> us only six months later and then one you know, a few years prior to that uh, when we were down at Southampton uh, under the Walter Smith era and again gave an absolutely abysmal performance we've survived on the final day I remember surviving on the final day as a result of other teams you know, performances Chelsea notably who put in a you know, really professional performance uh, against Bolton three or four days before they played the European final that effectively saved Everton's skins when we played Coventry in the last match. So, you know, morally, I think, you know, we owe it to the other teams, to Aston Villa and the other teams around there to put in a performance against Bournemouth, apart from, you know, sort of what we owe to our own supporters, just to yeah. uh, for us bringing this there. Well, well, how much in the last three to four months have we heard the phrase integrity of the competition? And, uh, <laughs> and I, don't doubt, I do not doubt for one second that Carlo would allow or, um, you know, would uh, would even even countenance a uh, below par performance given his uh, dressing down to the players post wolves? So uh, yeah, no, f- fully expecting uh, Everton t- to be to be on it. Um, Sam, we think our away form is atrocious, and it is. We picked up eighteen points uh, on the road this season. Bournemouth is actually joint second worst. They've picked up ten points away from home this season, and in this calendar year haven't picked up a single point on the road. I mean, all roads point to them going down and us and us sending them there, doesn't it? Well, when you put the stats on like that, all roads point to a 3-0 Bournemouth, doesn't it? The way we usually like to do things. But no, I think obviously you'd, you'd have to expect that we win it. You know, is, it, is Carlo still, Carlo still unbeaten at home, yeah? Yeah, um, yeah. So... You know that obviously we had that scare against Aston Villa, where, where that did look like it would come to an end. But I think now what we have to show is is kind of the opposite of what we showed against Sheffield United. Obviously, Everton are a far bigger club than Sheffield United, and we have far bigger aspirations than Sheffield United. But you know they've undoubtedly had a better season than us, and it was a professional performance to go over you know, and do something. I think you wrote as you wrote in your match verdict, Phil, to, to do something that Everton don't do very often, which is go and beat a team that's above you at the table. And, you know, it wasn't a classic and it, it wasn't a 90 minutes that I'll be uh, watching watching back, probably, hopefully, <laughs> ever again in my whole life, by any means. But, <laughs> you know, we, we, we got the win and, and we did what we needed to be to be done. We defended well. You know, you, you can't understate the fact that you have an 18-year-old kid making his full Premier League debut at the back. Um, and, and Richardson, again, what a goal. But now I think what I'd, I'd really like to see on Sunday is last day of the season, you know, let the let the chains off a little bit. You know, I want to see Anthony Gordon, I want to see Moise Keane and I want to see us have a go and as audible as it is, I want to see us send Bournemouth down and, and that's no um, thingy on, on Bournemouth. It's, it's just more that 
it's been a long time now since I've been excited by an Everton performance, maybe since the restart, only less than in patches where you know, maybe the first half against them. You know, I'd love to see us win a game, two, three, four nil, and really take the game to them. And, and as you, you're saying now, it'd be the perfect time to do that with the dates being announced, uh, to be able to sit here on Sunday, Monday, and say, you know, it was a great performance that yesterday, a few, a few signs, and I can't wait until September. You know, I, I, I don't want to dream the end of the season. You know, a win is the minimum, but I'd, I'd hate to have another 1-0 scraper, you know, like, like what we've seen against the likes of Norwich. You know, I really want to see a bit of an exciting performance. Mm. Um, as, as I said it, um, before we start recording, we will we will look back at the season as a whole next week, and, and I'll be asking the lads for players of the season and and goals of the season, all, all the usual stuff, and, and we'll go into that in, in, in some depth. But Pran, I'll start with you. I'm, I'm interested to know: is there a player on Sunday that you think, for maybe perceptions, maybe for momentum, maybe for the you know to give the manager food for thought, is there a player? on Sunday at Goodison that really needs to put a performance in that makes makes a statement? There is. I mean, can I throw another category into there as well? Sentimental reasons. Mm. Uh, Le- Leighton Baines, we still don't know what his ultimate decision is going to be, but the fact that he hasn't you know, sort of announced anything yet makes me think that maybe the end is looming. And if so, I'd like him to... Say a farewell, even though there are no fans in there. I know it sounds a bit weird, but you know, I'd like to see him, you know, play some part in the game. Yes. But as far as, as far as somebody having to make a statement and impress the manager, Moyes Keane, uh, I just haven't seen enough from him to warrant, you know, the the optimism and the um, the reputation that he came with. And that's, you know, he's not been given a great deal of time on the pitch. We know. Uh, and presumably that's because he's not showing much on the training field. Otherwise, we would be seeing more of him. Uh, Jared Branthwaite is a given. You know, we, you want to see him start and you want to see him build on the promise he's shown already. But the, I don't think he's got anything to prove. But, you know, he's such a young lad who's uh, only just broken into the team. I think Moyes Keane does have a lot to prove. And uh, I hope that, you know, maybe he gets an opportunity from the start this time mm. uh, and gives a performance you know, that indicates that, yeah, you know, so it is something to get excited about. I mean, quite who you would rest, I don't know. I mean, Calvert-Lewin, you know, you feel hard about resting a player like him, given he gives so much every single game. But he's had a difficult period. And, you know, we know all about Calvert-Lewin. We know what uh, he can produce. Moise Keane, we're not so sure about. So, yeah, he's the player that I think has an awful lot to prove to A, the supporters and B, the manager. It's a, it's a good job that Carlo is the king of man management because I would not relish telling either Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison tied on <laughs> tied on 13 league goals for the season that one of them's getting rested. But exactly. uh, as you say, the, the manager has hinted uh, that, that Moyes may get a start, but we shall see. Adam, same question to you, mate. You know, Is there a player on Sunday, if given an opportunity, either from the start or off the bench, that really needs to to, to leave us with with a uh, perhaps a different impression of them or, or food for thought and equally for the, for the manager as well. Uh, I find it hard to disagree with Preno initially. I think you know I've been ban- banging this Moise Keane drum. I think since since we've returned from lockdown, you know the last time he started the Premier League match he scored. So I just I just don't mm-hmm. see why you wouldn't give him a chance from the start again and see if he can repeat and he was that feat. Ma- Man of the match as well, probably in most people's eyes that night as well. Oh, exactly. Like his, his performance yeah. was much more than just the goal, wasn't it? You know, I think that was quite clearly his best performance. I think he put in so much effort. You know, he had so much skill and intelligence about his performance on that day. And, you know, I'd really like to see him try and recreate that. But uh, to give a bit of a different answer, I'd maybe say Bernard. 
because yeah. I think especially since, since since lockdown, I just don't think we've seen enough of what we all wanted Bernard to be. You know, we, I think ever since he joined, you know, and I know he obviously joined with uh, with an injury, but you know, ever since he joined, we've seen flashes of the of the kind of brilliance that he can show. You know, the the ability to kind of almost single-handedly break defences down with, you know, a little bit of skill or, you know, an incisive pass. When he's on his game, I don't think there's anybody else in the Everton squad who can do the things that he can do, but I just don't think we've been seeing it enough, to be honest. And, you know, when we've got, you know, Everton probably, I doubt we'll be looking for a left winger, but we're looking for a winger uh, in the the summer. You know, you've got Anthony Gordon, who's been playing, I think, much better on the left-hand side. Uh, than Bernard since lockdown. I think Bernard, if if he is given a chance, he's got to try and take it with both hands. To be honest, because you know, otherwise he, he might just see him, uh, see himself fall a little bit further down the pecking order. Just 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 stick with you, Adam. That do you, do you think that there's any question mark over Bernard's future? I know he's been linked with Roma, and I know he he went on to um, his Instagram account. This is this was at some point during lockdown to really kind of strongly knock that idea down, but. Do you think there's question marks over whether actually if there was an offer for Bernard, do you think the club would listen? I think if we were in maybe a different situation, I would say yeah. But we're already looking at, you know, strengthening centre-back, right-back, right midfield, maybe up front as well. We've already got so many positions to try and sort out in such, you know, a short period of time because we ideally want to get these players in before the start of next season so that they can settle in properly and we can have you know, a kind of run and start to the next campaign. So to to try and get all, you know, those four positions uh, sorted before the start of next season is already going to be tricky. I think if we were letting somebody like Bernard go, we'd have to find the replacement again, you know, as much as I like. Anthony Gordon, is he going to be, is he going to be the player who's going to take you throughout the whole Premier League season in that position? I don't think he's maybe proven that yet. So, I do still think there is a place for Bernard. And as I say, you know, he, when he's on his game, he can produce the kind of quality that we just don't see uh, elsewhere in the Everton squad. But I, just, I think it's maybe an issue that we've seen across you know, countless players in this squad. And it's maybe the problem that this squad faces as a whole. It's just consistency with him. We need to start seeing these kind of performances and effort levels on a consistent basis. And I think certainly since lockdown, we haven't really seen it enough. So if he's given the opportunity on this last game of the season, I think it could be a chance for him to make a real statement there the next term. Sam, um, same question to you, mate. I agree with that, but the more I've kind of watched Bernardo over lockdown, I do, I'm starting to, to worry a little bit about him. I thought when he first came into the team under Silva, he just had something different. You know, I thought I think his, his quality on the ball uh, is is undoubted and, and the thing I think that he has is, is decision making I think his football intelligence is probably the best that we've got in our team uh, probably along with, with Gilfie Sigurdsson there's just too many people for me who, who consistently make the wrong decisions on the ball mm. but I also feel that for where Everton want to be is, is Bernard good enough on a consistent enough basis no probably not uh, and, and it, it's whether you know it's that time next season to prove prove himself under a manager like Ancelotti. And you know if he if he does have that quality, then Ancelotti is obviously the the right man to get out of him. And obviously, I'm sitting here talking about a, a lad who's played for Brazil at the World Cup, so it is a difficult one. But you just look at other teams and, and some of the wingers they've got, and you know I, I just don't think it's a Bernard. Sometimes 
you know, if Everton are going to look for for a winger who can play on the right, you know, predominant left footers and, and cut inside, you know, that that's kind of what we hoped for from Bernard on the offensive flank, really, and and he did show it in in spells, but just hasn't quite brought it to the table. So, you know, what, at the end there, the, the way I always think about these things when you ask ask these questions is, you know, if if Bernard say, you know, did join Roma or did join someone else this summer, would we all be sitting here? Gutters, would we all be sitting here disappointed? No, probably not. And I think that probably tells you a lot, really, doesn't it? Mm. So just staying with you, pal, who, who's, is there a different player from the ones we've mentioned that you feel needs to uh, needs to put an 8 or a 9 out of 10 uh, performances on Sunday? The whole team, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, no, I think that there's there's a few players in there. If Awobi starts, I'd like to see the, mm. the good Alex Awobi that we've seen in flashes, you know, the impressive Alex Awobi, I think, you know, it isn't that every 90 minutes he plays seems to be the a, a cross of the good, the bad and the ugly, doesn't it, really? I'd like to see a consistent performance from him. Uh, I'd like to see Anthony Gordon come back into the team because of how impressive he's been, you know, and the hard work he put in in lockdown, really paying off for him. I'd like to, as Adam said, I want to see Moise Keane play. Uh, at the same time, I want to see Richardson and Calvert-Lewin play to see who can hopefully notch your head in that in that little goal competition, the, the friendly goal competition they've created between themselves. So there's there, there's a few really, but I think the I think that's what's a nice thing about it. It's the last day of the season, but I think every single lad putting on a shirt and, and playing has got so, a, a little bit of a point to prove because there's no one really in this squad at the moment who who is 100% safe, I wouldn't say, apart from, you know, your, your Dean, your Richarlison and maybe a couple of others. So... Every single player's got something to prove and, and every single player needs to be an eight out, out of nine and, and maybe even Tom Davis as well. You know, Carlo's given them a run in the team pretty much throughout uh, the, the the last stage of this, this campaign and, and I don't think he's he's totally convinced uh, anyone at this point. So, you know, it's been a, it's been another difficult campaign for Tom and, and it'd be nice to see him, you know, another one like Awobi who's shown it in flashes but his game does seem to range um, from each extreme, seemingly minute to minute. So, a nice composed performance from him. You know, a, a team in the relegation zone. You'd, you'd expect a young central midfielder like him to to really be able to build on the back of an energetic performance against um, Sheffield United and, and and try and dominate and maybe just clean up a little bit on the ball and and, and be a bit tidier at times because I think that's what I want to see from him next season. Mm. No, I, th- I think I think Sam's right there, isn't it? You probably we probably could have picked two players each, couldn't we? You know, I would have said that I think we would just want to see a uh, a sort of faultless, um, composed and clean performance from Pickford. I think that would help everybody, and I think maybe on the back of a very very good performance against Sheffield United and, and, and an encouraging final ten against Villa, I think a good performance from Andre Gomez on uh, on Sunday will will be will be big not only in game but I think for him as well and uh, and going into into next season um Preno Carlo in his press conference talked about next season well the summer sorry the summer will help uh, an evolution of the club and he's saying next season there will be better quality better ambition better motivation and more passion what did you, uh, you know, what what did you make of that? And you know, is is that is that maybe um, perhaps for the first time, perhaps even though he maybe didn't mean it uh, uh, deliberately, an indication of actually, you know, he's listed a number of things there that he's clearly not 
uh, happy with maybe an indication of the scale of, of the job at hand, at hand yeah it was very heartening to hear and it's um if not quite a, you know sort of a cavalry charge call it was a you know a firm declaration of intent and let's face it we've been here so many times before where mm. we've gone into a summer uh, and we're thinking right you know so next season has to be better and more often than not it hasn't been um, you know, so we haven't built on progress of the previous season, and as a result, we've seen far too many managerial changes and managerial upheaval. I think now, you know, pretty much the entire fan base, and I've seen a couple of little uh, absolutely nonsensical murmurings about uh, Carlo Ancelotti's uh, position among some supporters. I think that's just social media for you. Uh, but I think the vast majority of the Everton fan base uh, believe that we have got an absolute A-list manager who is capable of evolving the football club and uh, you know completing a fairly significant evolution. Uh, so you know it was good to hear him say you know so what he said. And if he can make good you know so on that promise and change each of those elements in the side. Uh, we will see a much better season because let's face it, you know, finishing where we're going to finish uh, in the Premier League table is simply not good enough. When you look at the number of players, you know, that we've brought into the squad in recent years, you look at the vast amounts of money that have been spent on that squad. It isn't good enough, and it needs a manager who's got the opportunity to spend time uh, building what he wants to build. We all have faith in the manager. Clearly, the boardroom does. Uh, so they need to allow him now to take that time to get things right the way he wants to get it right. Um, he's obviously stated publicly today what he wants to improve, you know, immediately. And uh, yeah, I'm quite heartened. You know, you you feel like a little sense of cynicism sometimes because, you know, you've heard these kind of things so many times mm. before, but we haven't heard them from a manager as accomplished as Carlo Ancelotti, who's achieved what Carlo Ancelotti's achieved in football. So yeah, I, I'm optimistic. You know, so I was pleased to hear him say that, and uh, I want to see him make good on those promises now. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And Adam, of course, you know, it, it, we we knew obviously after Monday night, of course, um, the highest we can finish now um, going into the final game of the season is where we are currently, which is 11th. The lowest we can finish is 12th. We, so it will be the lowest uh, league position, obviously, since uh, since the end of 2016, wasn't it, when uh, Martinez uh, was fired and, and Unzi took charge for the final game of the season. Um that's these are un, unusual waters for Carlo Ancelotti, aren't they? He he doesn't finish in bottom halves of tables. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think <laughs> that that was the interesting thing when he took over, wasn't it? You you were thinking this just isn't the the kind of project that you usually see Carlo Ancelotti link with. You know, I think at the time he took over, we knew it was going to be you know a long term sort of rebuild uh, that was going to be on his hands, and you know he, he had that uh, that massive upturn in form when he first joined and it kind of re- reverted back to type for for this uh, season uh, by by the end and we've we've ended up where we are which is obviously very disappointing but I think at the same time as as Preno said I think he's hit the nail on the head there that you know we might have heard these kind of comments from managers in the past saying that they want to evolve the Everton squad and it's all well and good but I think they carry so much more weight when it's a manager like Carlo Ancelotti saying it you know you say he's got the experience of winning so many things across so many different countries across the continent and you know that kind of experience brings with it you know this certain kind of gravitas whenever he whenever he speaks about matters such as this one you know he very clearly knows what he's talking about and as he said he's very clear on what he wants to see from the side next season you know more passion more motivation that is exactly what we need to see from Everton uh, next term so uh, you know I can't I can only agree with Preno really that these are 
hugely exciting time when uh, when you hear Carlo Ancelotti saying something like that. And I've seen you know a lot of supporters talking about revolution rather than evolution, and I think you know it's I think Carlo chose his word quite quite cleverly there because it is going to be a long term thing. You know, he does need to evolve the players that we currently have here because we, you know, we've said it so many times across this podcast over the last uh, few weeks and months. It's it's just not the time to be ripping up the squad from its foundations and to try and rebuild from the ground up. You, you just you just can't be doing that in the situation that we're in. So it, it is up to Ancelotti to try and develop and, as he said, evolve uh, some of the players that we have here to, you know, Produce produce something better. So yeah, I'm I'm very excited uh, for the future. Certainly, um, Sam Carlo obviously revealing uh, in the press conference today that uh, at some point next week he will meet uh, the board. So obviously, we don't know whether that's uh, virtually or, or in person. Of course, but he says he will meet uh, with the board and, and and to discuss and finalise transfer plans for for the summer. Um, Given obviously that the season will we'll start in seven weeks, what do you hope comes from that meeting? I think it's got to be a a clear culmination of what we have a director of football and a, and a scouting team for, doesn't it? I mean, these yeah. these lads are away. Marcel and his team and Greta Steinson are working all season long, you know, to to make sure that when this time comes, they're in a position to have clear ideas on who they want to sign. And Carlo Ancelotti is obviously, you know, a, a legend of the game who, who have his, his own ideas and, and, and to meet in the middle. So, you know, one, one of the most frustrating things about supporting Everton is, is always seemingly why, why does everything take us a little bit longer to, to get deals over the line? You know, one of the hallmarks of, of the, the clubs above us, you know, you look at Chelsea with Werner this summer and, and Zayech and, you know, Liverpool have, have been quite good at doing it over the last couple of years. You know, you look at the Fabinho transfer, for example, you know, it, it just happens. There's not a lot of talk. Everton always seems to be a kind of protracted, drawn-out thing. And, and I think it frustrates supporters. And, and me and Adam were talking about it the other night. You know, you forget that Jim Bamman and, uh, and Keane, you know, didn't even feature really in pre-season last summer because of how late they were signed. So I hope this meeting, you know, one week after the season's finished, you know, we can identify, you know, the two, three, four... 14 players that we're going to sign <laughs> um, and, and have those ideas clearly and, and, and get get things moving nice and quick. You know, it's only a short turnaround this summer and, and I want players to, to be there for the start of pre-season to, to, to kind of negate all this messing around that we usually have because it, it just can't impact in a positive way to, to have all the talk and all the surroundings and not be able to get you know, acquainted with Finch Farm and your teammates and stuff like that, like what we had last summer. So, yeah, hopefully next week they, they come out of it. We know where we stand. We know what deals we're going to be hopefully concluding in, in the very near future. And, and we can start cracking on and, and, and really start to get an idea of what Everton is going to look like, both in terms of comings and outgoings. Um I know anybody anybody listening to this would 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 be wholeheartedly in agreement with Sam, and I know Adam's written about it, and Michael Ball written about it in his column. Um, but on the flip side, to, to to try to get business done early, I mean, I can think of only in, in sort of one example of of recent history would be obviously the summer of 2017, where we were ambitiously went on a bit of a spending spree, didn't we? A record spending spree, and we were paying for certain players 
the asking price and getting de- done, uh, getting deals done early. Um, but is is the issue actually because of where we are in the transfer food chain? We aren't a Champions League team. We aren't, you know. I think Sam mentioned Chelsea, Liverpool, and and you, and you look at the, at the big clubs in European football. They can go and get their business done earlier because a they've probably got the finance and resource to get those deals done, and also. If one of the big boys are in are, are, are interested in you, you don't have as much of a decision to make. Whereas, would it be fair to say actually, we're probably scrapping with three or four other teams for these players? Hence, well, why it can take longer. Well, exactly, yeah. And as we've seen already, with you know, sort of disappointments in the transfer market already, uh, with some players preferring to move to Tottenham and you know London rather than you know, coming north to Merseyside. Um, it's difficult. I mean, obviously, we've got the reputation of the manager, which counts for an awful lot. Mm. But European football counts for even more than Champions League football. You know, is the absolute you know top table that all players want to be dining at. Certainly, top players. Uh, so it is difficult. We're going to have to try and uh, find the kind of players like like the Garner Gay kind of signing. You know, so seven and a half million from Aston Villa. Uh, that flew under the radar a little bit and became, you know, a, an absolute star. Mm. Uh, we need a couple more players like that. And obviously the financial position of the club dictates that as well, uh, because we still need to move players on. You know, as much as we want to see new faces arrive, we've got to trim that wage bill. We've got to try and lose some of the players that, you know, just aren't Absolutely. being used. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be, again, it's a story we've said so many times before, another important summer in the transfer window. Uh, but it is going to be both you know, sort of incomings and outgoings. But I think um, the word that Carlo used at the press conference, you know, so evolution, I think he chose very, very carefully because that suggests, you know, step by step, you know, not, not wholesale changes uh, because, you know, that can be counterproductive as much as productive when you start ripping the entire squad apart and starting from scratch. You've got to try and retain what is working. Admittedly, not a great deal's worked all that well this season. Yeah. Uh, and, and improve... Uh, you know, so in certain areas, he's identified the areas he wants to improve in. He'll, in those talks with the boardroom next week, uh, he will tell them what's the priority, what we have to have to make the team uh, even better and then work on that. But yeah, it's going to be difficult. Uh, it's going to be, you know, so a very, very intriguing summer to watch what happens, uh, you know, as much as it's not been a great season, you know, so to watch on the pitch, off the pitch, uh, this summer could be very, very interesting. Mm. Um, as I say, we'll, we'll review this uh, this season in, in in full next week. But it's probably uh, worth casting our eye briefly towards next season because we have been talking about how the squad will strengthen. What do we make of the two teams in the Championship, Adam? Already confirmed as promoted leads, of course, winning the title uh, and West Brom coming up with them. Um, what about the prospect of, of uh, locking horns with those two clubs again next season? Uh, personally, I'm quite looking forward to a game against Leeds. Uh, I, I was I was still only quite young when they uh, when they got relegated, so I'm actually quite excited to see them back up in the Premier League again. I think uh, their their transfer window is going to be crucial for them because obviously they've had Ben White doing mm. so well for them. Will they be able to get him on a permanent basis? Sounds, uh, sounds very difficult from what Graham Potter was saying. It, it? Exactly, doesn't it? So they're, they're going to have to find some sort of replacement for him and I think that's got to be a priority for them. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see what they do in the transfer window. It, I, I, I find it really hard to be excited about West Brom coming back up, to be honest. <laughs> Sorry for it, with like a West Brom leaning listening, but like it's just, it is just getting a bit, a bit boring, this boing boing baggies thing, isn't it? I mean, are the 
are they actually going to be able to spend well enough and keep themselves up? It, I, I really wouldn't want to fathom a guess at this point, to be honest. Uh, and then, you know, out of the four teams in the playoffs as well, I think there's some there's some very interesting prospects as well. Brentford perhaps coming up into the Premier League with their uh, with their new stadium as well, which would be, you know, a very interesting kind of prospect. So, yeah, out of the promoted teams, I'm probably look, looking for most to playing against Leeds because obviously they are the club in terms of like English football history, aren't they? So. To see them back in the Premier League again, I think personally it's uh, it's quite nice. Yeah, Sam, um, any any thoughts on uh, on Leeds? I know we were speaking about it in the last week. You know, looking forward to seeing them uh, back up and us was playing them. No, not really. I, I probably hate Leeds. <laughs> to be honest with you. I would have been would have been happy with them to to stay down in in League One. So hopefully we can we can play a part in in sending them back down next season. I remember. Rooney, Rooney scored and Ellen Rose when I was a yeah. kid, one of the one of the best. Remember being in my nans, my dad had it on the radio, and don't even think I knew what was going on then, but I still just hated Leeds. I was just running around my nans, <laughs> and the the Steve Watson, Steve Watson hat trick as well. Remember that at Goodison four 0 yes. I think Dunk got sent off in that one as well. So that was uh, that was another another good memory. But you know, obviously Ellen's Road, I've been to to a couple of Leeds games in, in, in my time, and Ellen's Road does have a a good atmosphere, so it'll be a, a boss away day. And obviously, looking at the, some of the teams that are, you know, get getting relegated this season, you know, we, we could ultimately send Bournemouth down. That's a bit of a slog. Uh, Watford could go down. You know, it's a trip to London and, and Norwich as well. So you know, Leeds is a, is a brilliant away trip and, and 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 one for us all to enjoy next season. So that's good. And you know, I think as much as a dislike Leeds, you've you've got to like Bielsa as a as a mm. man. And you know, what a, what a true kind of student and, and studier of, uh, of the game he is so you know respect to him and, and that, it'll be funny to see the little the little thing that he sits on at Goodison next season as well <laughs> the Bielsa bin the Bielsa bucket is it yeah <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah no and, and so we're, we're trying not to deviate too much but I think it's probably just, just worth talking about because there's, there's obviously a number of, of lads in, in the uh, Wigan team Preno of course who we knew uh, uh, from Everton days, Anthony yeah. Robinson, Joe Williams, obviously Kieran Dowell's been on loan. How much did you feel for Wigan the other night? Oh, desperately. Know? I mean, Joe Williams didn't need to tweet something of himself almost in tears mm. um, at the news. Uh, it, it was devastating uh, because of the manner in which they've, you know, but they are likely to go down. I know they've got an appeal, uh, you know, sort of process in place, but yes. Uh, barring that, it does look like they've been relegated in the most appalling circumstances. Um, you know, they finished mid-table. You know, so they, they put a great run together. You know, so from the turn of the year, and you know, even to go to the last day, and you know, there was a spell on the last day when they were, you know, they were still safe. Um, it really is absolutely heartbreaking. Um, yeah, I felt for them massively. Uh, you know, it's just very, very sad to see that. And you know, to to reflect on what what Sam was just saying, there, Leeds is very much a double-edged sword. Them coming up, um, you know, because of Everton's dreadful record there. That Rooney goal he's talking about was the first time Everton had won a league game there since 1951. Mm. Um, I know there's the FA Cup semi-final that you know so it went spectacularly well, but in league games, it's just one of those grounds that we always seem to have bad bad luck at. But it's a good stadium, you know. The, it, it's it's a big football club. I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm old enough to remember Leeds, you know, winning all kinds in the uh, in the seventies, sixties, and seventies. So, yeah, a great football club. You want to see the big traditional established clubs like that 
in the Premier League. But equally, there's room for the slightly, you know, sort of quirkier, you know, sort of smaller clubs in inverted commas, which is why I'm sort of secretly rooting for Brentford in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit disappointed that their, their stadium, which famously has a pub on all four corners, yes. is going to be no more very soon. I'm going to be going into a, a brand spanking new one. Uh, but I have been to that stadium, but only to see Tranmere Rovers play, never to actually see an Everson team play. Uh, I know we have played there in League Cup competitions uh, in the recent past, but I didn't get to go to that one. So yeah, I quite like to see them come up, and it's you know it's a, it's a decent London trip. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of interest in the uh, in the promotion and relegation scraps. Um, so yeah, pluses and minuses, but you know to to go back full circle, Wigan desperately, desperately sad to see what happened to them, and you know didn't deserve it at all. And yeah, there's so many links between Emerson and Wigan down the years. So yeah, feel for them badly. Uh, Sam, just a, just a last one on this. You know, if, we, if we're talking about former Everton players who we felt um, felt for seeing their relegation, of course, you know, no, no, I think many people listening to the pod will understand your uh, your friendship with Matty Pennington, and obviously he's been he's been at Hull, hasn't he? And, and obviously with with uh, with Bowler as well, and and their season really did uh, did it nosedive, didn't it? And, and they obviously finished uh, bottom. So it's, that's tough, tough on uh, Matty and Josh. I'm, uh, I'm glad this one isn't getting filmed. My face here. I'm, I'm I was just about to say Sam's face is an absolute picture. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> now, obviously, for um, you know, for for people who don't know, to to be mates with someone for you know 15, 20 years, and and have to kind of watch them go through something like that is is probably one of the most painful things that that's happened to me. Kind of in 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 kind of this kind of football circle that that you're in, you know, because people. You know the the eight nil that happened against Wigan and stuff like mm. that. You know, obviously from the outside and you know we're all guilty of it. You know, it's it's funny, isn't it? If you if you're not if you're not a Hull fan, if you're not rooting for Hull and, and things like that. But you know, to see the effect it does have on on these people who you see make so many sacrifices and uh, make so many kind of you know there's so many challenges they face and you know even for to touch on Matty to to see him you know. You, you move to Leeds, you're upright, you kind of move your life to Leeds for a year and then, you know, you're down to Ipswich and then you're, you're down to Hull, you know, and, and it's tough and I know people can turn around and go, the, the lads get paid, you know, a good amount of money, which which they do, but, you know, these these are still lads with, with families and, and girlfriends and, and, and things and, you know, that it's been it's been a horrible kind of second half of the year, you know, to, to put into context of Hull being two points outside um, the playoff positions on New Year's Day, you know, where, where Matty made his debut and, and was man of the match to to obviously finishing bottom of the championship. It's a I think it's a capitulation that the championship has never seen before, even in, in that league. It is a, a crazy league. Um uh, but but so tough. So um hopefully, you know, Matty and Josh can can become stronger from it. You know, Josh was one of the best players in the twenty threes uh, last season when, when yeah, they done that. Yeah. Double. He was. Uh, and and Matty has, you know, obviously shown Across his, his career, that you know he he he'll make a career in in this game. You know he was one of Ipswich's player of the seasons last season, and yeah. you know he's had good spells at Tramier and Coventry as well. I think he was young player of the season at Coventry. So you know, but but obviously for both of them, it's it's time to move on now and and to get um, like it is for so many lads. You know, Benny Beningami and and, and Keaton Dahl himself. You know, it's time for them to go and find a, a permanent home and and show how good they are because. You know, we're we're getting to the age now of twenty of lads twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, and and they need to move on and and um and, and find the home because you, you just feel sorry for them and you know obviously people can say you know 
there's a lot of thing on social media. It's, it's easy to turn around and say, oh, so-and-so's crap and so-and-so's this and so-and-so's that. But in, in truth, they're not, are they? These lads are going to have good careers, but we Everton have got a duty now where I'd like to see maybe something similar that happened with Galloway last season. You know, even these lads who might have a year left on the contract to just say, look, if someone comes in, we'll, we'll just save on the wages. You, you can go and, and we'll just call it a free transfer because, you know, these lads have still... Uh, given a lot to the club, you know, in terms of service coming up through the youth team, and hopefully they they can all find good moves this summer. Mm. As, as you wrote earlier in the week, Sam, the club expected to be listening to offers for for Nathan Brawhead, the the reigning under twenty threes player of the year, of course, as well. Yeah, it's a it's a funny one, isn't it? With Nathan, obviously, uh, un- Unzi's got a lot of time for time for Nathan, mm. and, and that did show in in the award he won last season. I think he kind of went under the radar a little bit. Uh, you know, a few other lads kind of w- were catching the eye as well. Um, but but Nathan, what I've always liked about him when I've seen him play, I've seen him play left wing, right wing. I've seen him play in the ten as a false nine, right midfield, left midfield, yeah. part of a midfield three. Um, and obviously, Unzi does like to challenge the players and, and put them in different positions, as we've seen with basically every lad who's played in that under twenty three position. But Nathan's a great lad. He works hard. He's got quality and. At the end of the day, you know, Ryan Giggs has already noticed him. He, he, he's trained at a senior Wales training camp alongside the likes of Gareth Bale and, and Adam Ramsey, which is no mean feat um, at, at his age. So, you know, and, and, and for his first loan, I thought he had a very, very solid year at Burton. You know, 22 appearances, three goals, two assists for a young lad. I think that's a, that's a decent return. So, uh, Everton now... Again, I think doing the right thing in, in, in being open for offers because it's time for him to, to spread his wings and, and be able to crack on. And, and to be honest, I think out of this current group, he's one that it wouldn't surprise me if he if we see him back in, in the Premier League in, in the next couple of years because you know he's he's exciting. He, he he wants to get on the front foot. He loves running the players. But he's also got a real work ethic, what's been drilled into him by Unzi as well. So um, if any championship clubs are listening, then you could do worse than, <laughs> than going for Nathan this summer, I'd say. Yeah, indeed. Okay, chaps, we will uh, leave it there, but of course, finish with, for the final time this season, uh, the predictions. Uh, Preno, how do you see Everton versus Bournemouth at Goodison on Sunday going? The shackles are off. Uh, Bournemouth have got a pile forward looking for goals. Uh, that will leave gaps at the back that Emerson will exploit. And I'm going to go all Sam Carroll on this one and go for a <laughs> go for a four-one Everton win. Wow, wow. Um, Ad, uh, I think the potential absence of Nathan Ake could be key in this game. I think if Bournemouth are without him at the back, if they're going to really struggle to keep the likes of Richarlison out from scoring. Uh, I'm not going to go as ambitious as Preno, but I'm going to go for a clean sheet. So I'm going to go two 0 Yeah, Sam. You know what? Preno, Preno's trying to out Carol me. He's got to go 6 1 now, aren't you? You know what? I'm actually to- totally confident of 5 0. And I thought before the podcast, <laughs> I, I, I'm certain that we're going to absolutely annihilate them. So I'm going 5 0. Moise Keane, first goal, hitting the wall in front of the Gladys. <laughs> well, that would be uh, that would be something. Was, I, I'm, I'm with Adam. I think it would be uh, slightly more modest, but I think it'd be 2 0. And uh, yeah, I, I, I would. Uh, I'd be fearful if I was uh, the Bournemouth fans, given their away record and the strength of our 
our home record. Um, brilliant. Next season, we should, uh, we should start keeping track of these predictions and maybe get a little league table going because I think I must have got a lot of them nail on the head. <laughs> uh, uh, against Sheffield United. I was the only one to predict a win against Sheffield United. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Yeah, you'd be bossing yeah. the table, Sam. You'd be relegated along with Massey. <laughs> <laughs> very good, chaps. Thank you very much for your company as always. Brilliant stuff. And uh, hopefully uh, you guys at home have enjoyed listening to us. Um, as I said, next week we will review obviously the Bournemouth game uh, and start some season reviews and, and, and really dig deep into into the season that was. You know, two two different permanent managers, a caretaker manager, uh, and obviously some expectations. Many, if not all, expectations sadly not met. But we will get stuck into that next week um, after the game. So stick with us over the weekend. Of course, all the best news, views, and analysis of the final game of the season. But for now, you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.